Hi everyone, Sam here for a Monday Market Update. Hope you're having a great public holiday. Of course, you can listen to this or watch this whenever you're ready. Yep, that's right. You heard me say you can listen to this whenever you can. It's because we have launched a new podcast. So this is super exciting. It's something that we've been uh, putting in the works for a little while. We've been thinking about how best to deploy it. And what we're doing now is uh, through this Cryptonairs podcast, we're going to be streaming the uh, the Monday Market Update today, the Altcoin Bible, and also the Friday Roundup uh, through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a few other sources. But uh, if you're watching this right now, uh, go to this link, which I'll post in the text, and uh, sign up. Give us a like. Give us a good rating if you like it. But we think it's awesome that um, you can now listen to these uh, sessions without actually watching the video. So if you're out and about, you can listen through your AirPods. If you, if you enjoy listening to my voice, you can uh, do that whenever you're out and about. Um, I think it's uh, super, super awesome, and it should improve uh, the overall enjoyment of this process as well. If you, you want some crypto content in your car, you're driving, you know, you can just listen to an update that we put out. And I think it's just fantastic and just um, advances the offering that we have. So uh, guys wanted to make that point. Um, again, make sure you go to this page and sign up and uh, give us a like. I'll just reiterate. So um, yeah, perfect. I wanted to start with that. So you hear me say a bit as well, if you're watching this, um, you know, if you're listening about blah, 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 blah. So uh, bear with me on that. All right, guys. So uh, this page here, I just wanted to show everyone, just to give a bit of objectivity and context to this current drawdown and where we are historically, because I've mentioned a few times, and maybe Joe has as well, that this current drawdown is, is nothing new. And in fact, when you look at the data, uh, this is a, a smaller drawdown than what we have seen uh, previously in terms of historical drawdowns. So I just want to run through this. So guys, listening to this, I'm just looking at a chart here of those drawdowns from the bull market peaks down to the lows. Now in 2011, we had a 93% drawdown. That was vicious. 2013, we had a 74% drawdown. 2015, we had an 85% drawdown. 2018, we had an 84% drawdown again. 2020, we had a 76% drawdown. And currently, we've had a 73% drawdown. So the last two have actually gotten a bit weaker. Now, quickly discuss this with the masterminds. My theory is that uh, over time, retail has moved from Bitcoin and moved more into other places in crypto, NFTs, layer ones, you know, more speculative edges. Whereas Bitcoin now is more that institutional, sophisticated asset, uh, which is being bought up, you know, by funds, by large investors uh, who have different time frames, time horizons, uh, and not as likely, let's say, to panic sell when sentiment's getting really, really low. You buy something like this, you put it away for a while, and you have a longer-term thesis. That's where I see things moving here, and it makes sense that the drawdowns have gotten less and less over time. You have those um, not as many weak hands; they're more in the altcoins or speculating in NFTs or different um, niches in the asset class. But I think it's really, really good for that um, objectivity. You think this is a pretty vicious drawdown. Uh, I mean, you would be right, but it's made worse because of what's happening in the macro, the bigger picture, traditional markets are happening essentially in a, a big old bear market with the potential for a good old crisis, which Bitcoin and crypto has never survived in. So the sentiment and the noise that you're hit, getting hit with has never been seen before. So if you're feeling a bit shaky and a bit scared right now, I mean, you're well within your rights to do because we've just never seen the, the viciousness and the aggressiveness of the uh, the media and the noise and the, the feeling uh, just about the place. But if you look at the data overall, you can see that you know things really aren't as bad as maybe uh, people are painting it out to be. Okay, if we have a look at this tweet here, I, I want to touch on it really quickly because we know, uh, or at least we've put into the groups, that the situation with 
uh, Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank is quite serious. And they're on the edge of insolvency. And there's been kind of some comparisons to 2008. And I want to tell you with the data on why it's not. So guys, listen to this. I'm looking at a chart of the credit default uh, swap spreads. But um, first of all, this tweet is super relevant. $600 billion is what Lehman Brothers held in assets when they crashed and took the economy with them. So Lehman Brothers was that big fund in the United States. $2.8 trillion is what Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank control in assets under management. So that's 4.6 more than both Deutsche Bank, uh, uh, sorry, Deutsche Bank Credit Suisse own 4.6 times more than Lehman Brothers and a few of those banks that uh, held under management that threw the US and the globe into a, a full on meltdown. Credit Suisse is at a critical moment, says the CEO. This is huge, it's absolutely huge. The real issue here, though, it's not just a couple of banks going under where they might have to be bailed out. It's the contagion risk. So these banks have to sell everything on their balance books, essentially, if they go insolvent, which they might have, uh, let's say, bonds or shares of other companies, other banks. They have to fire sale them, which in turn causes those companies and those funds to go under. You know, those sort of situations is pretty terrifying. Not only that, but in the, the average punter land, Deutsche Bank is the biggest bank in Germany. They have a lot of pension funds and savings under management, you know, all this kind of horrible stuff. So there's no way in my mind, or at least I find it incredibly unlikely that the German government uh, won't come in and bail out Deutsche Bank, at least. Credit Suisse, I'm not too sure about that one. They're a bit more international, a bit more roaming, but uh, the contagion risk of those two blowing up, uh, again, cannot be understated. Why I said the Credit Suisse credit default swap spread below the chart is so important is, it's going parabolic, and it's almost at the levels that we saw in 2008. So what credit default swaps are, if you watch the big short, they're essentially insurance on the banks going under. And so smart money and smart market participants are uh, seeing a high likelihood and a high probability that these banks are going insolvent. So they're, they're taking out insurance as fast as they can. So the premiums on these insurance are going higher and higher and higher and higher, indicating that that risk is getting higher as well. So again, the, the credit default swaps are great indicators to show you where, where banks are in terms of um, insolvency. And what is probably more terrifying is if you look at the credit default swaps of uh, sovereign nations, now, um, Great Britain, for example, we remember Bank of England had to come in and uh, essentially bail out the pension funds, 300% increase in the premium of credit default swaps on uh, the United Kingdom. So there's a 300% increase, essentially, in the risk that markets are betting in the United Kingdom uh, defaulting. Pretty terrifying. That's in one month. All right, I'm looking at a chart now of Deutsche Bank overlaid with Credit Suisse. You can see here since 2008, it has been essentially in just a long, 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 long drawn out sell-off bear market. Uh, now it's looking to really crater. So these banks for a long time have been not very profitable, not very attractive. So, you know, it, these are the type of banks that you want to, unfortunately, because of the overleveraging and low rates for so long, it's a big asset bubble and asset inflator. But these are the types of banks you kind of want to go, um, you want them to go under because it's a free market at work. If governments continue to prop it up, it makes the problem worse down the road again and again and again. Um, again, they'll, they'll go under, you know, let, let the chips fall as they may. And that's a simple way of looking at it. It may not be even practical these days because of the amount of capital that's uh, and leverage that's in these banks. Uh, but yeah, that's, I guess you look at the Bitcoin market, there's no one there to bail it out. It is a free market capital, uh, a free market um, 
you know, I guess it's the world's last free market, if you will. All right, I wanted to quickly move on to the stock market futures just quickly. It is looking like it wants to breach the 200 weekly moving average. In fact, it has this morning. So just keep that in mind that markets are really hesitant. They're looking at what's happening in Europe and they're not too happy with it. And I don't blame them. If you look over here, Bitcoin trying its best to hold 19,000. That's quite good relative strength. Bitcoin chart is actually trying to create higher lows while the S&P 500 is trying to fall through the floor. So that is a, a, a relative strength. Bitcoin is stronger compared to the S&P, which is in a sense a little decoupling. And I don't want to use that word too often because you really want to see uh, a more broader trend of uh, decoupling before you declare it um, at any moment. I mean, the floor could fall out because of what's happening. Uh, here, I just wanted to show you here on the RSI, this price action is lower than the last low, so it's a lower low uh, on the on the S&P. Look down here, though, it's a strong bullish divergence because the bulls are actually gaining strength. Um, the lower low versus the RSI. So bulls gaining strength, even though price is falling lower, it's been a really strong indicator that there will be a bounce. Whether it will because of the macro situation, I don't know, but it's there. So technicals are showing that there could be a bounce with that strong bullish divergence. The elephant in the room is this box I've drawn down here. This is the COVID stimulus wipeout area. So all through this area in 2020 is when the trillions of dollars were injected into the financial system, causing a lot of the inflation we see today. Uh, but it, it, this is, again, the elephant in the room. This is the area, this is the box that would make a ton of sense if it flushes all the way down here, wipes out all that liquidity that was in the market uh, from that point. So um, yeah, keep that in mind. Who knows if we get there? I'm not sure. I know Michael Barry is pretty keen on getting there. All right, let's go to Bitcoin just quickly. A few points I just want to rattle off here. This trend, uh, we want to break it. That's what Bitcoin wants to do to show that relative strength against the S&P 500. You know, the 21 moving average is that little red line there. Breaches that and breaches this line. It's probably due to run up to the top of this range, but Again, let's hold our horses and wait for what's going on. Uh, broadly, this 145-day box is still in play. This is the same time horizon, time, time frame that we saw in 2019 bear market uh, for Bitcoin to make that bottom and then climb out. It won't happen exactly the same, but it's useful just to see that the chop, the crabbiness of the price action going sideways because it, it confuses a lot of people and you get all those calls much, much lower and it just never comes. So keep that back in mind. It's very much the contrarian play still, but... Keep it in mind. Also here on the price action, we, we're seeing exactly what we saw in the S&P 500. A uh, strong bullish divergence. So price is making a lower low there from the low. What's happening on the RSI? A higher high, uh, sorry, excuse me, a higher low on the RSI momentum oscillator. So again, that's a pretty strong sign that we should see a bounce. So this is looking actually quite nice on Bitcoin. Also, we're seeing that a volume is slowly picking up uh, through this area here on the daily. If you go to the weekly, it's picking up as well. Also on the four hour. So some things chiming in nicely there because we've had a lot of flat volume for a while and we're starting to see a few more spikes as price actions making those higher lows. So what I want to see there. And again, if we're keeping things super, super simple, I open this chart, open the weekly chart and whatnot, and just try and get a read of what's going on. And you, you're thinking, well, what's happening? What's going on? Bitcoin still has not made a lower low. So we have not breached the previous low of June. Not saying we can't do it, but if you're looking at this chart and you're seeing this, I guess, um, higher low structure beginning to form uh, over, I guess, a bottoming phase, you've had a nice capitulation of volume. Uh, you know, most major markets look a bit bearish, but Bitcoin being the leading indicator of risk is beginning to rally. We could be beginning to see that narrative shift. So sellers have exhausted themselves. The narrative is beginning, beginning I should say, to become more attractive 
because it used to be the, the narrative was Bitcoin is insurance on the banking system, financial system. That really changed, you know, Bitcoin's the new gold, you know, blah, blah, blah. Went on a little bit, a bit of different tracks for a while. But now we're seeing that why it was created in 2008, it's coming back to the fore. Uh, is that narrative getting some legs? Maybe. Um, but just looking at the chart, we still have not made um, that lower low that many have been predicting. Of course, we can come down here, create that lower low, come back up, or we can create a new uh, leg down and just continue doing what we've done. Sure. Uh, but right now, it, there's nothing to suggest that it's you know coming right now, apart from that, that macro doom and gloom. Okay. Um, now, is there anything else on the Bitcoin chart I want to show you? I don't think so. I think that's all good. So, um, guys, if you were listening on the podcast, I mean, it's really hard to uh, describe what's happening on the chart on the podcast, but essentially I'm looking at uh, trend lines and I'm looking at previous lows. I'm looking at a box that I've drawn of 145 days that we're still very much in about three quarters of the way through, which is the same in 2019. So uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay, um, if we pivot over to on-chain data, I just want to have a look at it a few here. So the Pure Multiple, it's a, a go-to on-chain chart for looking at um, longer-term tops and bottoms. Uh, previously, it's been fairly good. The last, we're looking here, there's a red band at the top and a green band in the low. When we penetrate those bands, generally it's a top in markets. Uh, last couple, again, we haven't in the tops, but the bottoms have been particularly useful. We can see here back in 2019, the uh, orange uh, line here is wicked all the way down to the bottom of this green box. We saw it in COVID as well, and we've seen it over here, but what is Pure doing right now? It is climbing out of the box. So not only have we reached that bottom on the Pure, but now we're climbing out. So very interesting. It's all to do with daily issues of Bitcoin, how mining um, is profitability versus uh, the 365-day moving average. So you can look into that more if you want, but I find that hyper interesting. If we look at exchange balances, we've heard a lot about how uh, Bitcoin has been moved back to exchanges over this recent period. However, overall, the trend is still very much down. In the real run-ups in markets, we generally see a move back towards exchange, so Bitcoin hitting exchanges to be sold. Right now, we're still in that beautiful downtrend, even though we're still up here at 20,000. So uh, this gives us a bit more rocket fuel eventually, uh, but we will see this dynamic turn as market participants want to take profits on their Bitcoin. Uh, also, finally, reserve risk. This is a, a gauge of longer-term holders and their confidence in markets. I wanted to show you this because it is creating all-time lows in an extreme point in the market. So again, we're looking at a chart with a red band at the top for an extreme to the upside in overconfidence in the market. And we're seeing in um, a green band below showing you that uh, when we, in those sentiment troughs, when uh, I guess coins aren't moving, everyone's hodling, um, you know, all that. It's a very good metric um, over time to pick those bottoms in the green. And right now we've breached the green band at the, at the bottom. So we've never been this low. Um, take that as good as bad. I think that's a, a pretty good sign for the longer term. So uh, guys, hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to go like and subscribe to our podcast channel and listen to it whenever you are available. Hope you have a wonderful day. We'll catch up for the Old Coin Bible on Wednesday. Any questions or feedback, leave me below and I'll get to them as soon as possible. Have a wonderful day. Bye.